Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and this week I have a fun episode for you. Over the past three weeks, I have spent just about all of our time together talking about the different taxes that U.S. citizens get hit with on essentially a daily basis. This week, I thought I would do something a little bit more fun and especially a little bit more inclusive to my international listeners out there. This week, I'm about to show you that the Internal Revenue Service, or the IRS, is able to have just a smidge of fun. Now, naturally, this is the IRS we're talking about. All they do is collect taxes and persecute tax fraud. So this likely won't be that long of an episode. Today, I'm going to give you some examples of the United States tax code that I think are funny and some stories of some actual tax deductions that the IRS allows. This is going to be a fun episode that will help you have a laugh at something that most people would think is the exact opposite of funny. So let's get to it. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. All right, so I want to get a slight disclosure out of the way before we really get started. For just about all of my episodes, I have a script in front of me because I have a tendency to ramble when I'm publicly speaking, and I also have a tendency to get off topic. I also like having the correct information in front of me, so I'm not telling you the wrong thing. However, this episode is for kicks and giggles, so I'm going to relax a little and just riff for a bit. I have all of these stories in front of me on various tabs on my internet browser, so let's just have some fun this week. Let's start off with a little known fact. The IRS requires you to include all of your income from every source on your tax returns every year. Now, you might be wondering if they really mean all of your income. Well, yes. The IRS has something that is known as the IRS Publication 17. Now, the IRS releases publications almost all the time and they're constantly updating their old ones essentially their guides on how to understand certain sections of the tax code. Now, IRS Publication 17 helps taxpayers determine how to report their income, and it is very detailed. Now, Publication 17 has a specific section that is known as Other Income, and it is, is quite funny on what they consider other income. Let's go ahead and go through my favorite three. The first one, bribes. If you receive a bribe, you are to include it on your tax return. <laughs> so you heard it here first. If you accept a bribe, yes, you have to claim it on your taxes. The next one is just illegal activities. And I'll read from this here. Income from illegal activities, such as money from dealing illegal drugs, must be included on your income on Form 1040, Line 21, or on the Schedule C or Schedule CEZ, if from self-employed activities. Now, for those of you that don't know the 1040, it is the main form with which you file your taxes, and line 21, I assume, just without looking, is your other income line. A Schedule C is if you consider whatever it is you're bringing income your own personal business. So remember, if you're dealing illegal drugs, you need to claim it. The third one we're going to talk about here is stolen property. Now, I'm going to read this here. If you steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income in the year you steal it unless in that same year you return it to its rightful owner. 
Essentially, if you steal something worth $1,000, you need to claim that $1,000 as income. However, if you steal that MacBook for $1,000 in January, and you just so happen to return it to the person you stole it from in December, you don't have to claim the income because you gain it and lost it in the same year, so it's not income. <laughs> oh lord, we love the IRS. Now, for those of you that know a little bit about the US Constitution, this is rather interesting. So, Publication 17 says that you have to claim all of your income, no matter the source. So if you're dealing drugs, you need to claim on your taxes that you're dealing drugs. Well, there's also such thing as the Fifth Amendment. Now, the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution says that you have the right against self-incrimination. Essentially, you have the right to not snitch on yourself. So the question comes up, which one is right? Do you have to report your drug dealing income or do you have the right to not incriminating yourself by putting dealing drugs on your tax return? So it turns out that this conundrum has actually gone to court and the court's decision is that you have the right to not incriminate yourself. However, you also have to claim your income. So when you are claiming income from illegal activities on your tax return, you have the right to not say specifically what it is. You can just say income from sales. You don't have to specify what kind of sales it is because that's your Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate yourself. However, you still have to report it. So that's, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There is a case on this where you can just put sales and there you go. You've claimed all your drug dealing income. Now here's where it can get wild. So say you're doing the right thing, not dealing drugs. Say you're dealing drugs and you're claiming the income on your taxes. Well, let's say you get arrested and you have to go to court and defend yourself and just say, hey, I, I'm not dealing drugs. Of course, for the example, we're gonna say that you are in fact dealing drugs, but you know what? The cops found you, they got some evidence, so you gotta defend yourself. Well, because you've been claiming your drug dealing as a business, now of course you haven't explicitly said that. Now, there's no case law on this part, but Assuming you've been claiming your, um, let's say, other business income on your taxes, if you have to go to court to defend yourself, you can write off all of your court expenses, including paying your lawyer, as a deduction on your taxes. So you can use the money you're paying your lawyer as a tax write-off to offset your drug dealing income. Now, that last sentence has definitely so far in 70 episodes is going to be the number one thing I can't believe I'd ever say on this podcast. But now you know, if you're doing things that are illegal, you do have to claim it, but you don't have to say specifically what it is. And if you get caught for whatever it is, um, you can, you know, use that lawyer fee to uh, offset your taxes and save yourself some money next year. Now, the next thing I want to cover isn't necessarily something that's as funny as claiming lawyer expenses on your drug dealing tax return, but it is something that's on the IRS website that I like going to every now and then just for fun. So the IRS requires that you need to hold on to your taxes for a certain period of time after you file them. So for example, you don't have to hold on to your 2005 taxes right now in 2020, unless there are one of these exceptions. Now, the IRS has seven rules for how long you should keep your tax documents. Now, the general rule is you need to hold on to your tax stuff for three years unless you have something special going on with your situation. 
I really want to focus on two of those, really just one. But the first one that's less funny is you need to keep your records indefinitely if you don't file a tax return. So essentially, if you don't tell the IRS what you made, well, then you need to hold on to your documentation forever because, hey, you never know. And then that leads us directly into my favorite one, which is you must keep your tax records indefinitely if you file a fraudulent return. So you heard it here first. If you're cheating on your taxes, you need to keep that forever. Not just the three years, you gotta keep it forever. Cause you know what? You need to preserve the evidence of your tax fraud forever. <laughs> so be sure if you're filing false tax returns that you hold on to them forever. Otherwise you might get in trouble. The next thing I wanna talk about, I think is just some silliness. So this part that I'm gonna read is directly out of the IRS tax code. Now. For those of you that have never read anything legal, there's almost always a labeling of the paragraphs. You have paragraph one, paragraph two, basically every time there's a paragraph, it's labeled. There's some number, whatever. So sometimes this can get nuts. The next bit that I'm about to read is word for word taken out of the IRS tax code. Now, this section defines what is the definition of a quote, private charity, quote, for purposes of paragraph three, an organization described in paragraph two shall be deemed to include an organization described in section 501c4, 5, or 6, which would be described in paragraph two if it were an organization described in section 501c3, end quote. So that is the official definition of a private charity. It is literally a reference to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, different sections of the IRS tax code. It, it, I mean, you heard it. Nowhere does it say what the thing is. It just references several other sections of the tax code. The next one, let's talk about that one wasn't specific at all. So maybe this next one I'm going to read is crazy specific. Well, you'd be wrong because sometimes when I'm off script, I just don't make any sense. Now, this next section I'm going to read to you is called computer or peripheral equipment defined. Quote, for purposes of this paragraph, in general, the term, quote, computer or peripheral equipment, end quote, means, one, any computer, and B, any related peripheral equipment, end quote. So we have a section of the IRS tax code that says, computer or peripheral equipment defined, and what computer or peripheral equipment is, is either a computer or peripheral equipment. <laughs> so... Clearly, the people who write the tax code are really on top of their stuff when they're, you know, defining stuff that they clearly know a ton about. So those are some fun sections of the tax code. I want to talk about a couple deductions that I think are funny. Now, I was looking through some things for this show, and I really came across two that I thought were funny. I'm going to save the best one for last, so let's go for this one. In case you didn't know, if you own a junkyard and you set out bowls of pet food so that you can attract wild cats... And the purpose of you attracting these cats is so that those cats will show up and kill off any snakes or rats that you have all around your junkyard and therefore make your junkyard safer for customers. And having that cat food provides a useful service to the business because putting out that cat food means you get the cats and because you get the cats, you don't have rats and snakes. If you're doing it like that, well, you can write off that cat food as a business expense. This was an actual thing that went to court and a tax attorney fought the IRS for, and the US court system decided 
that yes, this was an allowable deduction to put out pet food to attract wild cats. And finally, we're gonna get to my favorite deduction. This is a true story that actually went to court and actually was upheld by tax court. In 1988, a stripper who went by the name Chesty Love used her hard-earned savings and decided she wanted to get a boob job to really put the chesty in Chesty Love. So she went and she spent $2,088 to increase the size of her chest to a size 56 double F. She then went and claimed that $2,088 deduction for her breast enlargement surgery, stating that it was a business expense. So naturally she filed that on her taxes and the IRS denied it. Well, she appealed and went to court for it and the court ruled that it was in fact a deductible business expense. And <laughs> they, they decided that it was allowable because quote, they were being considered a stage prop that were essential to her act, end quote. Now, this is a landmark case that opened the door for just about anyone in the adult entertainment industry to potentially write off cosmetic surgery if it could be reasonably claimed that the result of said surgery would make them more money in their business. And those are all the deductions and funny stories that we are going to talk about today. I usually don't like disclosures, but I have to mention that I am not a tax attorney or even a tax expert. I am just a dude with a podcast that happens to look at tax returns for a living and found some funny stuff on the internet that I wanted to share. Now, I've had a ton of fun this episode, and I hope you have too. If you enjoyed the show and you feel so inclined, please leave me a review on your podcast player of choice. I absolutely love seeing and hearing what you all have to say. Be sure to go find me on Twitter at Main Street Money or shoot me an email if you have a suggestion for some content you'd like to see from me. I have been Alex, and I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.